0: We want to open a, a field hospital. Yeah, 3rd Street will do just fine. Right in between the two nightclubs. Also, we want it to be outside. Yeah, we know it's winter. Don't ask questions. It's according to a source. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. Relaxed a little bit. Maybe got outside, enjoyed the fresh air, and of course, watched plenty of football, college football on Saturday, NFL football yesterday. I I feel today like a recharged battery. Like I just I feel ready to go. I had some nice time off, got outside, got some exercise in, had a nice pizza yesterday while watching football. I I feel great. Could not feel better starting a week i feel like a recharged battery and look at it this way packers fans we got to take a load off we didn't have a game to worry about a, a potential loss to stress us out vikings fans you got to enjoy a win yesterday we don't need to talk about what happened to the bears and the lions and sunday night football last night was over by 8 15 p.m so we all got to bed early i i can't imagine a better weekend i don't think things could have shaped up any better i think that's 10 out of 10 and i hope you uh Had a great last couple of days, and your week is off to a great start. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Unfortunately, we don't have a Packer game to talk about today, but we do have a lot to discuss. Very business-like. We need to get right to it. We we have a lot of topics we need to cover today. Very urgent. Uh, Some games from yesterday. I want to talk about the Vikings. And, of course, I I do want to talk about the Packers quite a bit. We just don't have a game to break down. The Packers discussion never stops. I don't don't care if they're playing or not. If at any point today you want to jump in on the show, I'll open the phones up here in about 10 or 15 minutes, 608-796-2558. That's the talk and text line. And if Twitter is your thing, you can find me there at Wisco Grant. Like I said, if you want to call in and chat, I would love to have you all open the phones up uh, here in about 10 or 12 minutes after our first break. Uh, and I would love to make you part of the show at any time between now and 6 o'clock. We got to talk Badgers, college football, Vikings, NFL, Packers, a lot of different topics to get to today. So if any of them inspire you to pick up the phone, Uh, and give me a call. That's the number, 608-796-2558. That's where you can find me. I'm going to be 100% honest with you, and I'm always 100% honest on this show. I I might not always say something that you love. Maybe you disagree. uh, Maybe you think I'm being dumb, but I'm always going to be 100% honest. I will will not lie to you for the sake of content. I, I wish I didn't have to watch sports this weekend. If it were up to me, if I could have my wish, I wish there would have been no games this weekend. Now, I did watch a lot of games, uh, Saturday night and yesterday afternoon, but if it would have been up to me, I, I we would have paused all sports this weekend and we all would have went outside, went for a hike, a run, a bike ride. Um, I went up on the bluffs here in Lacrosse. I don't know what you do to get your uh, your kicks, your outside activity in Madison, whatever that may be. Um, I, that's what I would have preferred because it's going to be cold all winter long. It's going to be dark. It's been a really stressful year, and I just love going outside. It makes me feel better. It makes me feel rejuvenated. So if it would have been up to me, I I wouldn't have spent a single minute watching sports this weekend, except for maybe at night. Now, that being said, I did watch a lot. That is my job. It's, nay, my responsibility to watch games for this show. But if it would have been up to me, I would have spent the whole weekend outside. Just being honest, I'm always 100% real with you. That's what I would have preferred. It felt like a crime Yesterday afternoon, sitting on my couch, knowing how nice it was outside. But, that's the job. I don't take it lightly. and never take it lightly. And when the Packers don't play, it's it's fun. It's lighthearted. Because I don't have to watch the Packers. Because let's be real. The Packers are our team. They're our favorite team. The team we live or die by. The team we cheer for. They're our favorite players. Our favorite coach, Matt LaFleur. I'll always watch him. But there are instances where the Packers are, say, playing the Texans at noon and the game stinks. It's really boring. The Packers are going to win. Everybody knows it. Maybe Deshaun Watson makes a great throw here and there. But but, but that game wasn't interesting. The Packers-Texans game wasn't interesting. Now, we watched it because the Packers are our team. And I watched it because it's the Wisco Sports Show. But I rather would have watched the Bengals and the Browns go right down to the wire. Watch Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield trade big throws. I, I rather would have watched the Steelers and the Ravens, right? Lots of examples of better games that sure aren't the Packers, but the games are better. And sometimes we miss out on those great games because we are obligated to watch the Packers. And there's nothing wrong with that. Packers are our team. That's what we do. That's what being a fan is all about. But sometimes when the Packers don't play on Sunday because they play Sunday night or Monday or on Thursday or maybe they're on bye, it's really nice to watch all the other games completely 100% undistracted. And if you like to bet games then you can really focus on that. Or if you play fantasy, like I'm pretty sure most of us do, I'm in a couple leagues, then we can really just cut it loose and focus on fantasy or focus on betting or focus on switching around a game from game or watching red zone, right? We're not distracted by the Packers. And yesterday, that was kind of nice. So I was able to watch a couple of games that if the Packers were playing, I probably would have missed out on. Let's start with, I think, the most intriguing game of the day. It had fantasy implications for a lot of people. Maybe you bet the game. That was the Buffalo Bills Versus the Seattle Seahawks. Now the Bills won forty-four to thirty-four. For a lot of the game, the Bills were dominant. They were running up the score, and then the Seahawks kind of made it tight in the second half, and the Bills were able to hold on. Now we knew the Seahawks defense was bad. I didn't. I didn't think it was this bad. I did not think the Seahawks defense was that bad. Here's why. Perfect example. I have two quarterbacks in fantasy. I have Josh Allen and Deshaun Watson. And the entire year, I've Fought this battle with myself every week on which one to start, and I've been wrong like every single week. I always pick the wrong one. Now this week, I saw Josh Allen was playing the Seahawks. Seahawks are the 32nd ranked defense. They give up a ton of passing yards, and I'm like, it's too obvious. It's too easy. I'm going to start Josh Allen, and you know it. The Seahawks defense will finally get on track. They're due for a good game. So I started Deshaun Watson. Now Deshaun Watson was terrific too. Both scored a ton of points, but Deshaun Watson wasn't as good as Josh Allen, and I just thought. For whatever reason, the Seahawks defense is due. They're not this bad. They're not going to give up 40 every week. Well, they might. And I I was wrong. I I didn't think that a Pete Carroll defense could could be this bad. I thought they would have a floor. And at some point be like, okay, finally they got some things figured out. No, 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 no. They, They are this bad. They gave up 44 points yesterday. Josh Allen threw for over 400 yards. Stephon Diggs over 100 yards receiving again. Like they just, they went off. And after the game, I loved... P. Carroll's explanation of what went wrong defensively. He kept saying in his presser, "He's like, hey, I I I don't even know who that team was. I've never seen that Seahawks team before. That's not us. We got to get back on the right track." And then he was talking about the Bills' strategy, and it's one of the funniest things I've ever heard a coach say. This is Pete Carroll after the game yesterday. We got to make sure that we we can adjust to these guys. Didn't even try to run the football today. You know, we didn't expect that to happen. We didn't think they would just totally abandon the running game, and uh, um, we had a real nice plan that they were going to run it. Uh, did you? Did I hear that correctly? Did Pete Carroll say, well, I mean, we had a great plan if they ran the ball, but they didn't run the ball. We didn't expect that. That's, first of all, hilarious and awesome, because I wish head coaches would say stuff like that more often, like Mike Pettin after the Vikings game going to the podium. Well, I I didn't think Dalvin Cook was going to get the ball. We had a great plan if Dalvin Cook didn't get the ball, but they gave him the ball, I guess. Like I just loved the honesty (laughs) from Pete Carroll. But also, why would you not expect Josh Allen and the Bills to throw the ball all over the yard, especially against the Seahawks secondary? That's how bad their pass defense is. And their pass rush stinks, although they had seven sacks yesterday. It was a weird game. It was a really weird game. But I loved the candor from Pete Carroll, basically saying, well, if they ran the ball, we would have had it. We just didn't expect them to. We just didn't expect. The the Bills threw the ball on the first 20 of their first 22 plays. 20 out of 22 plays, they threw the ball. Pete Carroll's like, well, we got a plan if they. They ran the ball. They just didn't run it. We got to make sure that we we can adjust to these guys. Didn't even try to run the football today. You know, we didn't expect that to happen. <laughs> we didn't think they would they just totally abandon the running game. And uh, um, we had a real nice plan if they were going to run it. We had a real nice plan if they were to run the ball. God, that was awesome. I saw that I think on on NBC on Pro Football Night in America last night or Football Night in America, whatever it's called. And and I'm like, I got to play that on the show tomorrow because that's hilarious. It's honest. I'm not hating Pete Carroll for being honest, but that's how bad their defense is. And remember, Packers fans. For some perspective, this is the Seahawks defense that added Jamal Will or Jamal Adams in a trade and Carlos Dunlap in a trade. It didn't help much yesterday, and I know Jamal Williams has come back from an injury and Carlos Dunlap is beat up, but my point being, just cause you make an addition, make a trade, doesn't mean it's going to pan out, right? Don't confuse activity for achievement. That Seahawks defense is terrible. Oh, and also, really quick footnote before we move on. Really quick and casual. Russell Wilson had four turnovers yesterday. They weren't his fault, though. Not a single one was his fault. In fact, he should have had 10 turnovers. Russell Wilson is amazing. Never does anything bad, and we don't blame him for losses. So, yeah, it's on the Buffalo defense. I know Russell Wilson had four turnovers yesterday. Just gloss by that. We don't talk about that. We don't criticize Russell Wilson. He can't. What do you want him to do, guys? you want him to play defense? Come on. I don't know. Russ, don't worry. I'll have your back. You Next game, to have 10 turnovers, and I'll back you up. Don't worry, man. You're perfect. You never make mistakes. Buffalo, Seattle yesterday. Of course, that was sarcasm. Russell Wilson loves turning the ball over. He has... Russell Wilson has more interceptions than every quarterback not named. Kirk Cousins and Carson Wentz. And Daniel Jones. He's fourth in the league with picks. But I know those aren't his faults. We don't talk about those. Uh, Moving on, although that was the most interesting game, I was also really intrigued by Dolphins Cardinals. Tua in his second start versus Kyler Murray. Now, the Dolphins won 34-31, Both quarterbacks were awesome. They were spectacular. They're really fun to watch. I don't really have any breakdown or any analysis of this game. Other than as a football fan, I watched this game yesterday and I thought, man, like how cool would this be if this was a Super Bowl in two years, right? The Cardinals, who missed on Josh Rosen and quickly pivoted, got Kyler Murray, got the coach to fit with him, although Cliff Kingsbury is, he needs to get a little bit better. He's made some mistakes. Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray and this young, exciting Cardinals team, against Brian Flores and the the reboot Dolphins with Tua Tungabailo, that would be an awesome Super Bowl in two years. And I could see it. Brian Flores seems like a really impressive, really inspirational head coach. And, and I don't have any X's and O's breakdown of Cardinals, Dolphins. And let's be real, I don't think that's why you listen to the show anyways for X's and O's breakdowns and film analysis. I don't think that's why you listen to the show. But as a, as a football fan yesterday, that's what I kept thinking about. Like, how cool would it be to see Kyler Murray and Tua teamed up in a Super Bowl two years from now. If we could look into a, a crystal ball and remember this game yesterday in two years, possibly those those two teams meeting in the Super Bowl. That would be really fun. That's what I thought about during that game yesterday. Uh, a game that wasn't as fun, the Chicago Bears versus the Tennessee Titans. I didn't watch this game yesterday, full transparency. I caught up after the fact and I was watching the score during it, but but I didn't watch it. And I, I don't think I could have handled it. I it, it hurt my eyes to even think about watching this game. This game, actually, had I watched Bears-Titans, it actually may have given me COVID. The first half for the Bears was their worst offensive half since 2006. Since 2006, in their six possessions, they had five punts and one turnover on downs. 105 yards and zero points. This Bears offense is really, really, really bad. And I know a couple of weeks ago, we were having some fun calling the Bears frauds, saying that they're they're fakes. I think at the time they were 4-0 or, or 5-1 or whatever it was. And I didn't buy into them. And I'm, I'm not going to take a victory lap and say they're frauds, blah, blah, blah. They, they earned those wins. Those wins count. And, and the Bears have an inside track uh, to the playoffs over, say, a team like the Vikings because the Vikings got off to a slow start. The Bears earned those wins. So I want to back away from the fraudulent thing, although that was a fun, you know, bit to do. This Bears offense, I don't get it. Because I thought Matt Nagy was a young, up-and-coming offensive mind. And I really like David Montgomery. Most people do. Allen Robinson is a terrific wide receiver. And I think this Mooney kid, this rookie, has been really impressive. What's the deal? I know they don't have a great offensive line, but neither do the Seahawks. And it's not stopping them. Sure, Nick Foles isn't an amazing quarterback, but... I mean, Jared Goff can put up points. Why can't Nick? F- I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get the Bears. And the funny thing is, the funny thing about this game, by the way, I didn't even mention the score. Uh, the Titans won 24-17. And once again, the game didn't feel as close as the final score would indicate. The funny thing about the Bears, Tennessee came into this game really with with two issues, right? They were bad at two things, especially defensively. They couldn't get off the field on third down, and they couldn't stop the run. And interestingly enough, when the Titans are matched up with the Bears, they solve both of those issues. The Titans were great defensively on third down. The Bears were 2 of 15. I don't know what that is in a percentage point. I'm sure some of you are much better at mental math than I am, but that's not bad. Or that's not good. Excuse me. That's very, very bad. Tennessee came in doing two things. They couldn't stop the run, and they couldn't get off the field on third down. Well, they were getting off the field on third down, and rushing yards for the Bears, <clears throat> Fifty-six. Tennessee miraculously cured both of their biggest weaknesses when they just happened to be matched up against the Chicago Bears. Isn't that funny? Tennessee can't stop the run, can't get off the field on third down. They play the Bears. What happens? They stop the run and they get off the field on third down. This Bears' offense, I they're better than their they're better than their record. They're better than their production. Their personnel is not all that bad. I don't know. Everybody likes to cite the offensive line. The offensive line, offense, but look. They're up and down years with bad offensive lines. Russell Wilson has dealt with it. Aaron Rodgers has dealt with it. Every year, not every quarterback has an amazing offensive line. And yet, they seem to make it work. And the Bears can't make it work. Uh, Really quickly, before we take a break, the last interesting game last night. Buccaneers versus the Saints. This game was a win-win. Because I hate both of these teams. And I enjoy watching them both lose very much. So I was going to be a happy camper one way or another last night. Now, watching Tom Brady lose... 38-3 Thirty-eight to three was enjoyment that not even I could have predicted. I mean, this was magical. The one thing that could have made it better, we didn't get a Tom Brady tantrum. That would have really taken it up another notch. But what are you going to do? The Buccaneers are a sloppy team. And Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Gronk. I really like Tyler Johnson, the rookie from Minnesota, and three points. The Packers hung thirty-seven on the Saints in the soup in the Superdome. It's really it's really fun watching another team be unable to get over the hump. That's always been the Packers, right? They could never get over Seattle. Now they can't get over San Francisco. It's really fun to watch another team go through this, isn't it? It's a blast. Bucks can beat anybody. They just can't beat the Saints. And I hate the Saints, too, which makes it even funnier. Three interceptions from Brady last night. Forced a lot of people to get creative with their takes. Defending Tom Brady and defending their power rankings, which had the Buccaneers number one. The result last night was hilarious because it caused a lot of chaos in In smart football circles where they said the Bucs were the best team in the NFC, number one in the power rankings, and then last night happened, and everyone's scrambling. God, it was awesome. Let's continue to talk about yesterday in the NFL. We'll mix in the Packers a little bit into the conversation as well, and I want to talk about the NFC and how wide open the Packers conference is. We'll talk about that coming up next. My name, Grant Bills. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Hope your week is off to a good start. My name is Grant Bills, and I am your host. I'm the leader of this disaster that is a two hour show every night. We'll be talking NFL football until about six o'clock. We'll take a break, I guess, to talk college for just a couple of minutes. I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Talking text line 608 796 2558. Schmidt says, uh, Grant, longtime listener, first time texter. It's an honor. Thank you. How good of a chance does my guy Josh Allen have in the MVP race? Like, come on. Thank you. Thank you for the text. I think Josh Allen is is unfortunately for you, Schmidt. I think he's just about out of it. I think right now the leaders have got to be Patrick Mahomes. Aaron Rodgers is right there. I think Russell Wilson turned the ball over four times yesterday and lost. That really stings um Tom Brady I think is all but out of it after yesterday. I don't I don't love dwelling on the MVP race. Some people just love they're just addicted to talking about it and debating it. Some TV shows I watch and some radio shows I watch. It's like, well, here's the thing you need to know about the the MVP race. It's like it's week what, 8 or 9, who cares? Like can we come back in another month, month and a half? There's so many other fun things to talk about right now. Like trust trust me, in sports radio Right. I like I I'm in the content business, quote unquote, if this is a business, if this is even a real job, which I don't really. I I can't imagine having a real job. This is this is a blast. I love doing this every day in the content business. Right. There's lots of things to talk about. You're always looking for things to talk about. I love talking about the MVP, but not right now. Like I don't want to waste an MVP conversation right now. There's way more entertaining things to talk about. Like we can laugh at Pete Carroll straight up yesterday saying that they had a great plan if the Bills ran the ball. But once they started passing it. They had no clue what to do. That happened yesterday. That's a real thing. We got to make sure that we we can adjust to these guys. Didn't even try to run the football today. You know, we didn't expect that to happen. We didn't think they would just <laughs> totally abandon that. the running game, and uh, um, we had a real nice plan if they were going to run it. Unreal. Like, can we talk about that? I want to talk about that. That's the best soundbite I have possibly ever heard. I'm not even exaggerating. That's hilarious. That he straight up just admitted, "Well, we didn't expect him to throw." What do you want us to do? We didn't expect him to throw the ball. Oh, and by the way, the Seahawks are not on pace to be the worst pass defense in NFL history. They're on pace to, to break the all-time record by over 1,000 yards. The 2011 Packers are the worst pass defense in history at 4,796 yards. The Seahawks are on pace to give up 5,794. No, those are not the COVID numbers case or day by day in Wisconsin. Those are actually uh, historical passing numbers kind of a dark joke maybe I shouldn't joke about COVID that's that's a crooked number this Seahawks pass defense is miserably bad and Pete Carroll's like well I didn't expect him to didn't expect him to throw the ball glad Mike Pettin's not the only one thanks for the text Schmidt not to hate on your MVP conversation I'll just I'll get into it more later on as the season goes once it gets more interesting once we have more clarity um let's talk about last night a little bit before we take a break, Sunday Night Football threw everybody's power rankings into chaos, which is amazing because power rankings are stupid. Just like talking about the MVP right now is stupid. It's going to change. And if something can change drastically in five days, I don't really want to dwell on it. Like, well, the number one team is this, and the number three, well, if it's going to change after Sunday, I'd rather talk about something else, right? If I can do power rankings and a team can be number one, and after one loss, they drop to number eight, well, then those are dumb power rankings. That's just that's just evaluating what happened on Sunday. That's dumb. Now in the NFC, we have this weird love triangle between the Packers, the Saints, and Tampa Bay. And if you use the transitive property, it gets really, really confusing. Like, well, Green Bay beat the Saints, but the Saints beat the Bucks, but the Bucks beat the Packers. So how, how does this work? You're trying to figure out who is better based on head-to-head matchups, and you're trying to slide things around, and it just, it'll give you a headache, right? Don't worry about this too much. Here's what I want to emphasize. It's not just about who you play in the NFL. It's about when you play them, Right? For example, the Packers played the Saints week three when they didn't have Michael Thomas, when they didn't really have Taysom Hill's usage figured out yet, right? And and they came out on top because Darius Smith made a great play. That game was a coin flip. Although the Packers executed, so did the Saints, right? The Packers came out on top. Great. But then the Packers played the Bucks later, and the Bucks were off a mini-buy, and they had just won three of four, although they had just lost to the Bears, which may have motivated them even more. The Packers were probably riding too high. They had yet to lose yet. So it worked out. One thing seems to be very clear to me, though, despite if you, well, the Packers beat the Saints, Saints beat the Bucs, and week three versus week five, throw that all aside. One thing seems very clear to me in the top group of the NFC. The Buccaneers can't beat the Saints. They just—they can't. They, it's not going to happen. The, the Saints have blown them out both times. In week one, we're like, oh, my God, is Tom Brady, does he need to retire? He Like, we felt bad for Tom Brady. We're like, oh, my God, is he okay? And then last night, they lose 38-3. to what makes you think that if these two teams match up in the postseason again, it's going any differently? If the Saints and the Bucks play in the divisional round, who would you pick? You'd pick the Saints by two scores because all the evidence would indicate that game would turn out the same as it did in week one and the same that it did last night. And we have a ton of precedent for this. And I've hit this on my show even back last year, last season in 2019. In 2019, Packers get killed by the Niners in the regular season. They get killed by the Niners in the NFC title game. Go back to 2015, one of my favorite examples. Packers played... The uh, the 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 Denver Broncos, who went on to make the Super Bowl, right? Who went on to win the Super Bowl that year? Packers got smoked. Absolutely outclassed. One of Aaron Rodgers' worst games ever. Then later in the year, I think it was in Week 15, they played the Arizona Cardinals, who made the NFC title game loss to the Panthers, who went on to lose to the Broncos in the Super Bowl. Packers get smoked. They end up losing to the, the Cardinals, albeit in awesome fashion with Hail Marys and everything. In the postseason, we have a lot of precedent. When a team gets blown out once or twice in the regular season, the result probably isn't going to change if it's renewed in the postseason. Bucks can't beat the Saints. I don't know what it is, but it's really funny. The NFC, and this is something we've said on this show for over a month. I feel like we were first onto the scene. I I turned on sports radio and TV and everybody's like, the NFC is wide open. It's a free-for-all. No, 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 Hey, 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 Mike Greenberg on Get Up and Colin Cowherd. You think you're so smart? No, no, no. The Wisco Sport, we were first on this. We were all over this three weeks ago when I said the NFC is wide open. Now, I no longer feel like I do a month ago when I said that it's the Packers conference to lose. But on this day, it's as much to win for the Packers as it is anyone else, right? The Packers have as much of a claim to the NFC right now as anybody else. Every single team is flawed. Every single one. Tampa Bay, they have a quarterback who's old as dirt. And they're a little bit dysfunctional and disorganized. So even though they have all these weapons, all these great backers, if they don't show up, it can be messy. Like it was last night. The Seahawks don't just have a bad defense. They have a historically terribly awful, miserable, gross, ineffective, embarrassingly bad defense. They're terrible. They suck. They can't stop the run or the pass. And then the Packers can't stop the run. And okay, yeah, they could use another wide receiver or two. That would be great. There's not a team. And then the Saints. The Saints can't throw the ball more than five yards down the field. Every team in the upper echelon of the NFC is flawed. And I think Brian Gutekunst understands this. And I think I've finally figured out his perspective, both to the offseason and to the trade deadline, which I know has made a lot of people unhappy. I'm not saying I agree with Brian Gutekunst, but I, I think through our connection through the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse, I have tapped into his mental state and I have figured out his perspective and his MO, his mode of operations going forward. I will explain that to you coming up next. I'll lay it out very, very clearly coming up after this break. More of the Wisco Sports Show in a few minutes. Let's go sports show rolling on. Hope your week is off to a good start. Hope you had a great weekend. Maybe you got out and enjoyed the fresh air, or maybe you just pulled up on the couch and watched football. Whatever makes you happy, whatever is your thing. Hope you had a restful weekend. And I'm glad you're tuned in. You can reach the show if you want to call or text, whatever you prefer, 608-796-2558. And if you're on Twitter, you can find me, at Wisco Grant as well. I don't know what things were like in Madison. I unfortunately haven't visited in a while. I got a, a memory on Snapchat this morning. Uh, this day, 365 years ago, I was I was drunk in a hotel room just outside Middleton with a bunch of my high school friends waiting to go to the Wisconsin-Iowa game uh, because I graduated in the same class as Nate Stanley. The same high school class in Menominee, Wisconsin as Nate Stanley, who is the Iowa quarterback, and Mason Stocky who you know if you listen to this show is, is my guy, and he needs to get the ball more. Uh, I'm a huge Mason fan. And a couple of uh, my closest friends from high school, we met at a hotel. We had six guys sleep in one hotel room. I'm not sure if they saw us all go in. I'm a little surprised they allowed it. If they saw us, there's no way they would have let us do that. Um, but yeah, seeing the snap memories today was, it's great, right? It's, it's good to remember fun memories, but it also shows how much things have changed in the last year. Uh, and I hope to get back to Madison sometime soon. Like I said, I don't know what was going on in Madison this weekend, but I know here in lacrosse, Uh, I I had to drive around a little bit for work on Saturday, uh, and then I ended up on the Bluffs, did a little bit of hiking, and a couple different times was stopped at either a stop sign or a stop light, and I looked across the intersection and saw somebody just blasting music and head bumping in their car, windows down, smiles on everybody's faces. I don't know if it was the weather. Maybe it was the election. I I don't know, but there seemed to be a a great energy in lacrosse if you were out and about this weekend, and I hope that was the case for you. And if you're in Madison... I hope the energy was the same, Uh, and I'm glad we're here to talk sports today. I want to talk about the Packers. I know they didn't play yesterday, but this is the Wisco Sports Show. As much as I would love to talk about the Bills and the Seahawks. By the way, Russell Wilson, four turnovers yesterday, if you didn't hear. I I would love to talk about the Bills and the Buccaneers, but this is the Wisco Sports Show. We should probably uh, get back to what we were uh, supposed to be doing. I don't know if you saw today, by the way, huge, jaw-dropping, earth-shattering, mind-blowing Packers news broke today. You might want to sit down. Um, before I break this news, and I'm I'm sorry if, if I'm breaking this at a bad time, if you're busy or if you're preoccupied, but I don't know if you saw the Packers Golts game has been flexed to 325. Uh I I almost had to leave work today. It was it was so shocking. America's game of the week. The the only other game was the Vikings and the Cowboys in that time slot. So yeah, Fox. Give us Aaron Rodgers, give us the Packers, give us the Colts and Phillip Rivers. Um that game will be America's Game of the Week. Good. Then we can all watch all the noon games and we can watch Red Zone. Uh, and we can make lunch and eat lunch. And, you know, I prefer the Packers playing at 325 anyways, because then I don't miss out on a bunch of football during the noon slate. In all seriousness, <laughs> breaking news aside, we were just talking about the week NFC. And I, I think this is something we've discussed on the show for a month. The NFC is wide open, absolutely 100%. And it's good to see that, that the big time sports shows are finally coming around to that take. It, it may be tempting to think that the Packers should have gone all in at this trade deadline, right? I mean, why not? The NFC is wide open. This is the year. Trade all the picks. Push all your chips to the middle of the table. Go for it and try to win it all this year, right? It's tempting to think that way. And I'm assuming, based on what I see on Twitter and and what I've gotten in texts and calls on this show, I'm assuming most Packer fans think a trade for Will Fuller would have signified going all in. Is that a a safe assumption? Am Am I reading the room correctly? Packers fans want their team to go all in and finally go for it. And this seems like a good year, right? So a second round pick for Will Fuller, that would have been all in. That's what we all wanted, right? Now, I don't disagree with you that this is the year for the Packers to go for it. Not only because of the NFC being down and wide open, but roster wise, it's going to be difficult for the Packers to be this good again in the next couple of years because they have a couple of draft classes peaking at the right time. They have Aaron Rodgers kind of peaking. I don't think he's going to get better Aaron Jones is peaking, and then you have all of these upcoming free agents who could be departing. So they could lose a couple huge contributors and early returns on Rashawn Gary and Darnell Savage haven't been great, right? I don't know if there's a next wave of developing players who are going to step up. So I think roster-wise, this is it. This is the year. Pair that with the NFC being down, it makes a lot of sense that this would be the year for the Packers to go all in, right? I don't disagree with any of that. And I certainly agree that doing a move, even if it's just for Will Fuller, is more aggressive than... No move, right? That, that's going all in, making a move. Doing nothing is, is well, doing nothing. Remember, and I'm going to keep mentioning this, and it sounds cliche and it, it may make you want to slap me, but activity doesn't equal achievement. Look at the Seahawks. They traded for Jamal Adams and they just added Carlos Dunlap. And I know those players have been in and out of the lineup, but this Seattle pass defense is on pace to be the worst of all time by a thousand yards. I don't care if Jamal Adams is hurt or not. Like one player ain't making that difference. This Seattle defense is really, really bad. And they have actively tried to make moves to improve it. It hasn't helped. I think that I understand the Packers front office and their MO for 2020. Don't get me wrong. I don't necessarily 100% agree. Right? I don't agree with the state of the Packers roster. I would have liked for them to do some things differently. But I think I understand what they're trying to do. And I'm going to try to explain. And don't shoot the messenger here. Okay, I was confused, or, or I was accused rather last week on Twitter by one of our uh, our best listeners here in the Lacrosse area. He actually lives down south of Lacrosse. Um, he accused me of of being Colin Cowherd explaining Brian Gudikins and being an apologist for him. I'm not look. I'm not doing that. I, I'm not defending Brian Gudekinst. I think he's made some mistakes. I just don't think this year's trade deadline. If you got an axe to grind with Gudi, I don't think that's the axe that is is most worthwhile. I think there's past mistakes that are much more influential than holding a second round pick instead of moving it for Will Fuller. Don't shoot the messenger here, right? I I would rather have productive, interesting conversations about this team and and what the Packers are trying to do and how they can do the best job and be the most competitive. I would rather do that than complain about the draft. I'm sorry. I I don't love the draft from this year. I understand why they did it. I, I just don't like dwelling on it because it's in the past. Now, that being said... There are other things in the past that bug me. I'm not 100% in on the state of the Packers team right now. It kills me, kills me to watch DK Metcalf ball out every week. And it kills me to watch Terry McLaurin ball out every week. Because those are two players the Packers easily could have had. It would have made sense. And it helps that I have both in fantasy. Terry McLaurin stepped in. Tyler Boyd was out yesterday. He's my go-to flex guy. Um, I've just been beating butt in this league Uh, I think I'm 8-2 and now, and I have... I know you don't care, but just for the sake of this segment. I have DK Metcalf. He's been tremendous. And Tyler Boyd's my go-to flex guy. He's on bye yesterday, so I slide Terry McLaurin in. Another should-be Packer. And he balls out. He had 30 points. It kills me to watch those two wide receivers, except for the fact that I have him in fantasy, and they score me a lot of points there. Last week, I made a point after the Niners win about navigating the ebbs and flows of a regular season. And this is why I argued that Thursday night football's win was important. Because the Packers got back on track. They lost to a team they should have beat on Sunday. They righted the ship. They avoided a two-game skid. And they avoided going to 5-3 and by getting back on track against the Vikings. Or the Niners. After losing to the Vikings. Right? Not getting upset. Not allowing a loss to Snowball. Handling business, say, the third week in October. The game that no one remembers late in the postseason but games that are important nonetheless. The best teams and the best coaches and organizations know how to navigate the ebbs and flows of a regular season. One week at a time, as cliche as it may be, stacking wins to get the best possible record, the best possible seed. The best teams know how to do this. Seattle knows how to do this. For 20 years, the Patriots did an amazing job with this with Tom Brady, an incredible job. They would stack wins and always be in a great spot when the postseason started. Opposed to teams like, say, the 2016 Packers, who would lose four or five games in a row and then need to make up for it by winning six or seven in a row just to get in. Navigating the ebbs and flows of a regular season. Not getting too high, not getting too low. It's important, right? You need to be able to not just keep your sights on the Super Bowl and think about winning it all at the end of the year, but you need to be able to win in October, in November. And then, of course, when December starts, be healthy, and be trending in the right direction. That's what Green Bay did last week when they beat the Niners. Right, They got back on track. They're navigating the regular season. I think Brian Gutekinst looked around the NFC and saw that every team at the top has flaws. And not just little flaws like, oh, well, their right guard could be a little bit better, but big, gaping holes. X's and O's, coaching personnel. Gutekinst probably looked at the Bucks and thought, eh, Tom Brady will fizzle out. He's fizzled out the last two years. I would actually tend to agree with him on that front. I think Brian Goodikens probably looked at the Saints and thought, eh, Drew Brees throwing five yards, I'll just smack Petten on the back of the head and remind him to cover Alvin Kamara next time we play him, and we'll be fine. I think Brian Goodikens probably looked at, say, the Seahawks and said, okay, we'll just drop 50 on him. Because we'll have Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams. And by that time, if we meet him in the postseason, we'll have Alan Lazard back too. And I'm sure Brian Gudekinst believes that the Packers, over the course of the regular season, will win more games than the Seahawks. And that game will be at home just like it was last year. Right? All these teams are flawed. And I don't think any of these teams' flaws in the NFC are correctable through one trade. The Seahawks have tried. The Seahawks have made multiple trades to try to fix that defense. And it might be actually getting worse. Their performance yesterday against the Bills was... Downright astounding. That's how bad it was. And that's after getting Jamal Adams back off of injury. They traded for uh Carlos Dunlap. It, it hasn't made a difference. They can't get a stop. Run, pass, it don't matter. They're terrible. Gudikins probably looked at the NFC, realizes that none of these teams, the Packers included, their issues aren't solvable by one trade. And he looked at the 2019 playoffs and realized that they weren't decided by trades. The Niners body blowed their way through the NFC last year because they could run the ball and they didn't have to throw it. That had nothing to do with the trade. That was all Kyle Shanahan and the scheme and the offensive line and the defense that was executing at such a high level. Brian Gutekinds looked at the Chiefs and thought they didn't... No trade made the difference. It was Patrick Mahomes' and his brilliance converting on third and 15 to find Tyreek Hill. That was the reason that the Chiefs won, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. There was no mid-level trade that made a difference last year in the postseason. Brian Gudikins looks at all the evidence in the NFC and in last year for some past precedent. And and this is his M.O. Just get into the postseason, get a bye, get home field advantage, get a good matchup. And then at that point, it's 11 on 11. And Brian Gudikins probably likes his chances with Aaron Rodgers over Drew Brees, over an, an ancient, ready-to-fall-apart Tom Brady. He likes Aaron Rodgers versus that Seattle defense. What, are the Cardinals going to make it in? The Rams? Okay, we'll deal with those teams when we get there. Brian Gudikins just says, we just need to get in, we need to stay healthy, get a bye if possible, get home field advantage, get the matchup that we want, and then go out and win it. And going out and win it isn't going to be dependent on one mid-level trade made in the regular season. Not saying I agree. Saying this is what Brian Gudikins must think. Brian Gudikins must feel like his best 11 match up evenly or better with the best 11 on Tampa Bay, Seattle, New Orleans. And Gudikins must feel like Will Fuller wouldn't tip the scales much. So he stays the course. And you know what? If that's what he feels, good for him. Because giving up a second-round pick in what's going to be a really tumultuous offseason ain't a smart idea if you can avoid it. Giving up a second-round pick just to give up a second-round pick when you have five starters about to hit free agency and a salary cap that's going to tank by a big margin? Don't. Don't just give up a second-round pick to give up a second-round pick. Now, this might blow up in his face. And if the Packers give up 250 yards rushing and get smoked by the Buccaneers... In the postseason, well then he'll have to deal with that. Right? And I will distance myself from him on the show as I'm so good at doing. Right? This is he's calling his shots. And and I can't say that I necessarily blame him looking around at the evidence. This is a gutsy play by Goody. It's a very gutsy play. Let's take a break. I want to share with you my new favorite thing. I feel like Oprah, right? It's Christmas time, right? My new favorite things, things you should be reading, buying, giving as gifts. My new favorite thing. I discovered it today and I was mad. That I had never discovered this before. I was actually physically angry in the WK2I studio here in Lacrosse. So I will share that with you before we take a break at five o'clock. Last segment of the Wisco Sports Show for this hour coming up next. I can't wait to share this with you. Stick around. Reach your high. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Sorry about the delay, although I do love this song. I just accidentally closed down every window on my desktop. I got a good memory. I kind of know what we're talking about, but I need, need a little bit of a clue. I need my sheet at least. And I need to know what time it is. That's that's important as well. Oh, thanks for hanging out. We're going to get back into some of the NFL games from yesterday. And I do want to talk about college football too. And I I apologize. If college football is your thing, I when the weather's that nice and the Badgers aren't playing, sure, I'll watch and and I'll follow along, but I'm I'm not going to act like I'm I'm passionately sitting on the edge of my seat. We're going to get to college games though. And I want to talk about the Big 10 coming up at 5:30. So, I apologize to the college crowd if you really we're tuning in, hoping to hear about the Badgers and, and hoping to hear about the Big Ten. We'll get there. It's just not number one on my list right now. After this weekend, that'll probably change, especially because it seems like Graham Mertz might play, and the Badgers are going to be back against Michigan, who just seem like they're they're just ready to get their you know what's just handed to them. So for that reason, I we'll get into it at five thirty. Uh, before we take a break, I, I want to share something with you. This is my this is my new favorite thing. Y- you know how every once in a while you you stumble across a song, or a movie, or a show. And you love it. And you wonder how you ever lived before you found said song or movie or show. It happens every once in a while, right? Like when I, when I let my phone go on Spotify on Shuffle and something comes up and I'm like, what is this? I've never heard this before. This is amazing. And then, you know, you go down a rabbit hole and you, you're addicted to that song for a week. Like sometimes it just happens. The universe lines up. I had an experience like this today and it's a, it's a column. And it's written by Mark Murphy. And my God, It's spectacular. It's called Murphy Takes 5, where Mark Murphy, where Mark Murphy writes a monthly column about pressing issues that Packers fans want to know about, and the best part, he answers 5 questions from random, random Packers fans. Mark Murphy takes time to do this. He answers questions from Joe Browns in Chippewa Falls or in Trigo. Like, "Hey Mark," and he takes the time to answer these. And I was reading it today and I thought, "How have I never I've never found this. I've never seen this before. I want to share some of these questions with you. Mark Murphy, keep in mind, the CEO of the Packers, the the pertinent owner of the Packers, is taking time to answer these. And it's published on the Packers site. You can go find it. Murphy takes five. I tweeted it out at Wisco Grant as well. You can find it there. This question comes from Roman in Iowa. Dear Mr. Murphy, my name is Roman and I'm 23 years old. I'm an also an owner, which is fun. I'm also an owner, Mark. I'm on your level. My God. Okay, I'm also an owner, Uh, and my question to you is, when did you guys put the renovation on the south end zone? And how come you guys never put any ribbons on the scoreboard? Because I think it would be a great idea. My hope is that sometime we can have those put on. Wait a a minute. And he signs it, Roman from Iowa. Wait a minute. Wait. You're a Packer fan, and you can ask Mark Murphy any, any question, literally any question in the world about any player, about anything. And you, and you, you, in writing, take time to ask about the lack of scoreboard ribbons in the south end zone. I, this is, I, I still don't believe this is real. I can't believe I found this today. This is on the Packers' website. And Mark Murphy patiently responds. Good question, Roman. We considered putting in ribbon scoreboards as a part of the south end zone renovation, but decided against it. In my mind, one of the best things about Lambeau Field is that it's not cluttered with multiple scoreboards and video boards. Some of the newer stadiums have so many scoreboards that is very distracting. Also, a ribbon scoreboard in the south end zone would only be visible by a percentage of the stadium. We do not want to have enough of the, or we do want to have enough of the modern amenities that fans expect at stadiums to allow them to follow the game, but we don't want to take away from the charm that makes Lambeau Field special. We plan to replace the video boards within the next few years. This is, this is incredible. This is absolutely incredible. Here's a question from John. Hey, Mark, I keep hearing rumors about trying to pick up a wide receiver before the trade deadline. Thoughts? I'm not sure if it's needed. If we get healthy, EQ starts catching better, and others get healthy on O, oh, we might be okay. What about on D? We can't stop anyone running. Is Z okay? I haven't seen him do anything lately. I hear crap about Pettin, but the guys on the field are too complacent. Hope we can fix things quickly so we are legit in the playoffs. Are you kidding me? This isn't real. I'm being, I'm being punked. Please tell me I'm being punked. That John, I wish he would have said where he's writing this letter from because I desperately want to know what town in Wisconsin he's from. I, Fond du Lac would be a solid guess. Uh, Kakana, uh, possibly Prairie du Chien. Those are the leaders in my clubhouse. I keep hearing rumors about trying to pick up a wide receiver with the trade deadline. Thoughts like Mark Murphy hasn't considered. Oh my God, this is incredible. How have I never found this before? This is, I'm going to look forward to this every month. There's another question from Tom, who asks about um, law enforcement uh, and how Mark Murphy didn't take enough of a stance. Actually, John was so, or Tom, excuse me, Tom was so fired up that he signed his comments, "Mr. Murphy, I am disgusted by you." Ooh. And Mark Murphy answers, "Thanks for sharing your opinion on this important issue, Tom." At the time, we said we didn't, and he goes on, what does Mark Mark Murphy not have enough to do? This blows my mind. And what's really funny is the first question, Roman. He says, my my name is Roman. I am also an owner. This is beyond parody. That a Packers owner, albeit he's an owner, says that, well, I'm also an owner. But like, hey, Mark, uh, good to talk to my colleague and coworker. This is amazing. And I tweeted out, you have to check this out. I tweeted it out. You can find it at Wisco Grant. That's my Twitter account. This is my new favorite thing. I can't believe Mark Murphy takes time right now to answer these questions. And it's nothing against Roman or Tom or John or any other Tom, Dick, or Harry that writes in a question to Mark Murphy around the state of Wisconsin or anywhere around the world as a Packers fan. I have nothing against these people. I just can't believe I'm reading this. I can't believe this exists. This is amazing. So it is the season of giving. It's Christmas time. It's coming up on Christmas time, coming up on Thanksgiving. This goes on my list. If I was Oprah, and i had a book club or i had a list of my favorite things this would be number 1 right now this is unreal what do you think about picking up a wide receiver at the trade deadline and i can only imagine mark murphy in his office well john you can't, we hadn't thought about it but now that you mention it jesus this is amazing the packers organization is something special you say what you want about mark murphy he is um he has embraced that job and he seems to he, it seems to fit him well if he has if he has the energy to answer questions about scoreboard ribbons in the south end zone in a season where nobody's even in the stands. Mark Murphy, you're doing God's work, my friend. Keep it up. Keep it up. Let's get back into some scores and some games from yesterday's NFL action. I also want to talk about the Badgers, the Vikings, the Big Ten. We have a lot to cover, and we might just talk about Alex Trebek because it's really, really sad he passed away. And maybe I'll share a small personal anecdote if we have time. Final hour, second hour of the Wisco Sports Show coming up after 5 o'clock.